Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Well, it's 2022. It sounds just weird to Sarah. I was just getting used to even saying it was the 2020s and 2020 got kind of weird and then 2021 had it, it, its issues and now I moved into 2022. It just seems weird that we're in a whole nother century, a whole nother 2022. New years, new challenges, new ideas, new dreams, new goals, new problems this morning. Here at the church, so I'm having to kind of be old school this morning and stand behind the podium. I've been told I can walk out this far, and as long as my arm is on the podium, usually that work. But with 2000 here, we're thinking about new goals, new ideas, and a lot of us are asking questions about what resolutions we should make, what goals we should set, what dreams we should try to aspire, you know, to fulfill. But when you get down to it, all those questions about New Year's resolutions, year after year, are kind of usually around the same idea of questions like, what am I supposed to be doing? What, what do I need to do to make my life better? What do I need to do to be more fulfilled? What do I need to do to be more healthy? What do I need to do to be better? That's usually what resolutions are all about. But when you think a little bit more deeper on it, more existentially, you might say, when you dig deeper into them, the idea of new beginnings, new goals, and so on, all go back to the question of, why am I here? What is the plan for my life? I've been having questions like this a lot lately in my mind, and, and here's why. I turned 40 a few months ago. Okay, hey, yeah, that's hard. I appreciate your, your sorrow and your concern. Turned 40 this year. I mean, turning like 25 was hard enough for me because the math in my head went like this. Well, if I'm 25, you double that, I'm 50, you double that, I'm dead. So, I mean, that was, uh, was hard for me with that one. Turning 40, that's like a real growing up now. I'm supposed to have things kind of figured out. So I've spent a lot of time these last several months in kind of this deep spiritual crisis in my mind, not a midlife crisis, I didn't go out and buy a Miata or anything like that, but I've been having these deep crises and asking myself, okay, what really matters in life, and I'm sure you've probably done the same thing at different moments in your life. You sit back and you do some of that, that self-evaluation a little bit. Like, okay, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Right? By 40, I'm supposed to have that figured out by now, right? And I haven't really. And some of you are older than that. Some of you are younger. You probably would tell me the same thing. You're still trying to figure out what you're trying to do with your life. That, that's a fair question. What am I supposed to be doing? What am I here for? Is this all there really is or is there more? Those are real questions that we ask. And all those questions about self-evaluation really go back to trying to answer the idea of what gives your life meaning. Well, if you look on the banners beside me here on the stage, we introduced a new theme for the year 2022. And our theme is about trying to answer that question right there. What gives your life meaning? Maybe to put it another way, what is your purpose. What is your purpose here? Why did God put me here in this place, in this location, in my family, in my career, whatever it is, what is my purpose right here, right now? If you unpack that a little bit, the opposite of really having purpose is kind of what the Bible describes as being lost, isn't it? 
You know, we think about being lost in the physical sense, being lost is you don't know where you're going, right? When you don't have purpose in life, you really don't know where you're going. I think a lot of us, the reason why we have these moments of, of sadness, depression, worry, anxiety, stress, doubt, is because we really don't know what our purpose is. And it's scary being lost, isn't it? I remember being a little kid one time, being in a store, losing my mom for like a split second because I was hiding in the clothing rack or something. And that feeling of your heart dropping, that fear, right? Being lost is not fun. I've been out dirt biking in the desert before at night where everything starts to look the same. Being lost is a scary feeling. Not having direction, not having purpose, not having meaning makes you have that feeling. And that's why so many of us at times, so many people have that feeling of just despair and lostness because they just don't know what their purpose is. So this morning, what I want us to do is I'm going to have one main point for our lesson. We're going to dig deep into a passage of scripture here in just a bit, and then we'll come back to Sermon on the Mount next week. But our main idea this morning is this. Our lives, all of our lives, will only have meaning. Because right now, a lot of times when you feel despair, when you feel a lack of directions, because you feel like your life doesn't have meaning. I know I feel that way sometimes. Our lives will only have meaning when and only when we're fulfilling the purpose that God saved us for. See, God saved us for a purpose. But if we're not fulfilling that purpose, we're not going to have that meaning in our life. We're going to feel lost. And feeling lost is a scary feeling. Let me prove it to you. Open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Now, if you're new to the Bible, um, your Bible's divided up into two main parts. You've got an Old Testament and a New Testament, okay? Old Testament tells the story of the Israelites and, and God's people leading up to the time of Jesus. So it's everything before Jesus. The New Testament tells the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then it tells the story of what the early church did in the book of Acts, and then it's teachings to the early church in these letters like the book of Ephesians. Well, the book of Ephesians is written about 20 years or so after the time of Jesus. An apostle by the name of Paul is writing teachings, you know, in a letter to the church in the city of Ephesus to try to help them find meaning in their life. They're struggling to find it. They're going without direction. In fact, one of the key words, repeated words in the book of Ephesians is the word walk, which you might be thinking, well, what does that matter? The word walk means life. It means how you live. And he tells him, look, I'm sending you this letter so that you will know how to walk, how to live. Because they're, they're walking around lost. They're walking around without direction. They do not know where they are going. So what Paul does is he writes them this letter, and this letter is so applicable to us today too. And what he does, he says, look, here's what God has done for you. And here's why that gives you a sense of purpose now. And here's how you fulfill that purpose. Let's break it down a little bit. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look at a big section of scripture here. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And the reason I picked this entire section right here is because in the original Greek language, it's one sentence, which from a grammatical standpoint, and I'm not an English professor, that seems odd to me. You're supposed to put some periods in there somewhere, but this is one sentence. And it's almost like you can sense the excitement of the author here, of the Apostle Paul. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about all the blessings that you have in Christ. And he's like, well, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this. And he doesn't slow down. I do the same thing. 
when I get to talking and I'm excited about something, every once in a while I have to stop and take a breath. Well, Paul's doing that right here. He's excited to tell you about how amazing it is to be a Christian, and then he's going to get to his point about finding purpose. So let's look at what he says here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He goes, every blessing that you want, every heavenly blessing, eternal life, right, is only found in Jesus Christ. He's writing to Christians, and he's reminding them that they have all these blessings. Every, anytime you feel down, anytime you feel like you're missing out, remind yourself of that fact, that all the blessings of heaven are available to me in Jesus Christ. Then he goes on, verse 4. He says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He chose us. Doesn't that make you feel special? God picked you. That idea. In Christ Jesus are people that are chosen by God, right? That makes you feel important. Kind of gives your life purpose a little bit. Oh, since I'm a Christian, that means I'm someone that God picked. He saved me. That makes me feel special. We go on. Verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Doesn't matter what your family background is. It doesn't matter what drama you've had in your past. doesn't matter if you don't even know your mom and your dad. Jesus, because through God the Father, has adopted us as sons. Another blessing that's in Christ. Keep going. Verse 6. To the praise of his glory, of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. God gave us his grace. What's grace? It's something you don't deserve. It's favor. It's blessing that is unmerited. You didn't work for it. God gave it to you. It's a gift. We get that in Jesus Christ. Go on. Verse 7. In him, who's the him? Jesus Christ. We have redemption through his blood. Redemption is the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. We've all had sins in our past. We've all done things we regret. We still struggle with sin in Christ Jesus. He says we have forgiveness. Keep going. Let's skip ahead to verse 11. He says, also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Maybe you don't come from a background of your family where you're going to get a big inheritance. I don't plan on probably getting one. The Sabros don't really have that so much. But you know what? Here he says we're promised an inheritance. And then you go on to verse 13. He says, in him, talking about Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed, in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now there's a lot right there. This is where Paul takes his breath. He laid it all out. But in Christ Jesus, all these blessings, forgiveness, grace, heaven, redemption, the Holy Spirit, all those blessings are only available, he says, in Christ, right? Being a Christian, following him. So he lays these blessings out there. He lays these blessings out there to let us know how special it is to be saved. Sometimes we need that, we need that reminder. It's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. The Bible says, don't do these sins, and we like doing those sins, so it makes it hard, right? The Bible says, love your neighbor. Sometimes your neighbor's not very lovable. So, I mean, there's a challenge in there, and sometimes we have to be reminded of how blessed we are. But Paul doesn't stop right there. He lays out all these blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. 
And then he goes on to say, all right, here's what I want you to do with those blessings. Because like I said at the beginning, our lives will only have meaning when we're fulfilling the purpose that God saved us for. It's not just, hey, God saved you, do whatever you want. It's not, hey, God saved you, just continue living your old life. It's, oh, God saved you, now it's all about doing whatever makes you happy. No, he saved us for a purpose. So now we skip ahead to our key verse for the year. After laying out all of these blessings in chapter 1, and then talking about how we used to live in sin, but now we've left sins in the beginning of chapter 2, and how by grace you have been saved, chapter 2, verse 8. In chapter 2, verse 10, he lays out what is our theme verse for the entire year of 2022. Here's what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. That's the purpose for which we were saved. Let's break this down a little bit. Look at this first word right here. We are his workmanship. On our fridge at our house, our, our girls, especially Gwen and Fiona, will draw pictures and they'll want to put it on the fridge. And they'll want everybody to look at the picture that they drew. Last night, apparently, there was a drawing contest, and we had the judge between Gwen and Fiona. And they brought, they want to show us their creation. And, and their creation has personality to it. You can tell who made what based upon, you know, what they're drawing at the time, what they like to do. It has their own creative flair to it. I can tell sometimes with other preachers, especially guys that are in the graphics and computers and stuff, who made what. Nick Westberg, who used to work with us here, who's now working with the church in Tulare, I can tell a Nick Westberg flyer because it has a certain style to it, right? If you're an artist, which I'm not, you can probably look at a painting and go, oh, that's a Monet and not, it was a Manet or something like that. You can tell the difference, right? You know those ones there. You, I can maybe point out a Picasso, but besides that, you know, I mean, you can tell that there's something there. It's created by somebody. Notice what he says. We are his workmanship. So God molded us, shaped us, created us, saved us in his image. And I like that idea because you think of like, like a, a carpenter. Jesus, you know, is described as a carpenter. Most likely don't think of like a, a, a building framer, more like an artisan kind of carpenter, a handyman who do a little bit of everything. He would fashion things and build things and that kind of stuff were his workmanship. He built us made us. If you go on, it says he created us in Christ Jesus. You know, when you're baptized into Christ Jesus, we refer to that as being born again, right? You rise to walk a new life. The old life is done away. You are now created anew. You now look different. Now I know physically speaking, you don't, but you now look like you're Jesus's workmanship. You're something he created, but he created us when we are saved for a purpose. Look what it says. For good works. That's what we were made to do. If you're not using it for what, it, what it's intended to do, you're not using it properly, right? I mentioned this morning in Bible class, uh, got a couple of dirt bikes in the garage. One of this dirt bike is one we kind of inherited. It's an early 80s, little 80, two-stroke dirt bike. There's a difference between the way you ride a four-stroke motorcycle versus a two-stroke motorcycle. A four-stroke motorcycle, you can ease onto the gas and just kind of take off like normal. A, a two-cycle engine doesn't like to be eased onto. If you ever ran a chainsaw or weed, you kind of know what I'm talking about. 
They like to be revving. They like to have the RPMs up really high. You don't experience the full potential of what that motorcycle can do until it's on the pipe, as they call it, when it's revving really high. Well, we got that motorcycle Owen uh, several months ago was testing out and riding up and down the street. Obviously, he's in the neighborhood, so he's not going to go too fast, and hopefully he never goes too fast in the neighborhood. But anyway, he was on this motorcycle, and he's driving down the street, and he came back. He goes, hey, it's pretty quick. I said, you haven't experienced it yet. I said, I want you to ride it. Uh, I want you to rev it to the point where you think it's going to explode before you shift it, okay? And he got on it. He came back with this giant smile on his face. He's like, holy cow, that thing is awesome, right? Because now he's riding it the way that it was meant to be rid. That might not be the right word grammatically. But on a motorcycle like that, they're meant to be revved. If you're not revving it to whatever, 12,000 RPM, you're not experiencing it the way that it was supposed to be used. What happens if you go really slow in them? The pipes gum up, you foul a spark plug, and they don't work right. We're created in Christ Jesus to, to go on the pipe, right? To be full throttle all the way, created for good works for Jesus Christ. That's how he made us. In fact, he made us to fulfill works that he laid out for us way beforehand. So even before you became a Christian, God said, here's the works that I want them to do. Even before Jesus even came to this earth and died on the cross and the church was established, he laid out plans to save mankind through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He ordained this idea and now he created us so that we would fulfill those works. So when we're doing the Lord's work, when we're preaching the gospel, when we're loving other people, when we're obeying his word, we are fulfilling up the purpose that we were made for. And we're doing what God intended for us to do even before the foundation of the world, things that he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So what does that mean then? That means our lives will only have meaning when we are fulfilling the purpose that God saved us for. But here's what we usually do. We go through life trying to fulfill the wrong purpose. We go through life working for self and not working for him. And when you're always trying to work for self, when you're always trying to just make self happy and find pleasure in your own life, you're not going to have a fulfilled life. The most unhappy people you'll ever meet are selfish people because they're seeking to serve the wrong God. They're serving self. They're serving the wrong Lord. And they'll find that their life has no meaning. You think about the, the story of like the rich fool who built bigger barns and gathered more and more. He never found that fulfillment. And Jesus even comes in and says, you fool, don't you know tonight your soul will be required of you? If you're always seeking to please self and not your Savior, you're not going to find meaning. Your life is not going to have any purpose to it. Just seeking wealth is no purpose for why we're here. Just seeking popularity is no purpose for our existence. Just being famous, just even being quote-unquote successful is not the purpose why we are here. We will only find fulfillment when we fulfill His purpose for us. And notice that idea there, His purpose for us. Not your purpose for yourself. It's not about, oh, 2022 is going to be my year. I saw that this morning. I think Megan shared it. No, 2022 is supposed to be His year. You'll only find meaning if you're fulfilling the intended purpose that God created you for. Let me illustrate it a different way. Anybody know what that is? A carpenter square. Where's Jerry Tyler? I think he's in the foyer doing security. I worked for Jerry 20 years ago because I'm old. 20 years ago, Jerry Tyler had one of these and he made me buy one because we were framing a house. And Jerry could take this tool. It's called a square, but it's a triangle. Still, I don't understand this idea. But he would take this 
framing square, this carpenter, I know it makes things square, I'm just making a joke, but anyway, he would take this framing square, and he would put it out on like a two by six, and he would draw a dash here, and then he'd rotate it and make it here, and he could say, okay, from this number here to that number there, if we slice the wood at this angle, and over here we make a notch this way, we'll have a 12 and 12 pitch roof across the board. I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Geometry was not my class. I had one of those too. I had one of those framing squares. Now Jerry can make angles. He can draw a circle with that. I don't know how you do that, but he can do it. Make all these angles, make all these cuts, and build houses using that one tool right there. I had one too. I still have it. And you know what I use it for? To make straight lines. That's it. That's all I can use it for. That's all I know how to do. And sometimes I turned it the wrong way and my lines aren't even straight. But I had it and I could make a straight line. That's why I wasn't in charge of building the house. Jerry made the marks, I made the cuts, right? And then even then, sometimes he'd have to fix them. But that idea was there was this tool that had this amazing potential, which you think about the mathematicians and all that figure that stuff out. These guys are pretty smart. But he had this amazing tool that he could figure out different angles for different cuts to make different pitches on different roofs and all of that. And then I had it and all I used it for was a straight edge. A pencil can be a straight edge. You don't have to spend $30 on a pencil, right? But yet, that's what I used it for. I wasn't fulfilling the potential that it was made to do. A lot of us are like that. We're only tapping into just a little potential of what God has made us for. We're all we're doing is making straight lines, and God says, you can build a temple to me kind of idea. We're not fulfilling our purpose, and we'll never reach our full potential until we do what we were made to do. But before you think, oh, that's right, I'm here to do this and do that. No, but let's be careful with that. Because so often people will tell you, you're not doing what you're made to do. You're made to be famous or successful or rich or wealthy. That's not what I see in Scripture. What I see in Scripture is not that we were made to be powerful, popular, wealthy, or even successful, however you want to define it. What we were made to do, our intended purpose, what God saved us for, was to accomplish his will. That's it. That's what we were made to do. We weren't made to be the most famous person out there, to have the most followers on Instagram, whatever it is. We were made, the moment you were saved by Jesus Christ, the moment your sins were washed away, the moment you were born again as you came out of that water, you were made to accomplish his will. So all those blessings that we talked about in chapter 1, of Ephesians, our motivation to live up to the purpose of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 or verse 10. So the question then is today is if you feel lost, if you feel like you're just kind of floundering through life with no purpose, no meaning, wondering why am I here? What am I doing? What is the point of all of this? I've asked those questions too. If you're feeling that way, maybe it's because we're not fulfilling the purpose God saved us for. You want to have direction in life? You want to have purpose? You want to have meaning? Follow Jesus. Now, I know that's simple to say. It's difficult to put into practice. But our life will feel empty. Our life will feel meaningless. We will feel lost, confused, stressed out if we're not following him. But the moment you step back and go, okay, God, you saved me, you redeemed me, you washed my sins away, you gave me the Holy Spirit, you've given me your grace and your forgiveness. God, 
Now I want to live up to that by fulfilling the purpose that you made me, saved me to do. That's our purpose. That's why we are here. We're not here to do anything else except serve and glorify him. And when we let go of all those other things and commit wholly to that purpose, all of a sudden life will have meaning and direction. And when everybody else seems lost and doesn't know where they're going, we know where we're going. We're focused on the finish line with Jesus Christ. And along the way, we're fulfilling the purpose that he made us for. And even when life is hard, when you know that you're fulfilling God's purpose for you, even when life is hard, you can have joy because you have a whole different outlook on life. Find purpose and find meaning by following Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not following him, why not start the new year following him? If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ by being baptized into him, we can do that today. If you've never, you know, um, said, hey, I, I want to learn more, talk to somebody today, we'll get you plugged into a Bible study. If you need someone to pray with you today, talk to one of us. We want to help you. We don't want anybody leaving here today still feeling lost. We want you to have direction in your life. We want you to have meaning. We want you to find your purpose. And we believe that purpose is only in Jesus Christ. I'll be up front here for a little bit if anybody wants to talk to me. But afterwards, too, talk to one of us in the foyer. We'd be glad to help you in any way that we can because we want you to find purpose and meaning by following Jesus. Let's all stand and let's sing the song that was selected. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless. Thank you.